Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Yeah, party time on a Wednesday. Fantasy baseball time. I guess we're partying, Chris. Welcome to the show, Chris Towers. I am Adam Azer, and welcome to the show, all the listeners. Great intro. I was not aware we were partying. Yeah. What kind of party are we having for, for the Knicks? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. You know, it was a big day for me. I'll, <clears throat> I'll take the third pick. I'm fine with it. I'm happy. I uh, just I appreciate these moments where your Knicks fandom just like comes out in spurts. You go like a nine month stretch without talking about them at all. Well, like who wants to talk? Like who am I going to talk about them with? I talked about them all the time with people who care, but nobody Kevin, cares. Kevin Knox. <laughs> you know, we can talk about Kevin Knox, Adam. Bold prediction. Kevin Knox will oh. not be the best Kevin on the Knicks next year. Bold proclamation as it relates to are they, fantasy. Are they signing Kevin Serafin? <laughs> Bold proclamation. Chris Sale is back. Kevin Looney? For the fifth time in a row, Chris Sale is back. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about it, but he did strike out 17, yeah. and he had he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, he's back. Yeah. He's- it's fine. That's I just it. feel we had we sort of had this uh, understood contractual obligation to talk about Chris Sale after every one of his starts to begin the show with him. So we've done that now. Uh, yeah, we don't need to. He's great. Yeah, they'll, they'll, I will say like yeah, go ahead. I was right when I said you shouldn't trade him. I was also wrong when I said you shouldn't trade for him. So and hard to say whether you, I'm dumb or not. You did call me out a couple of days ago for saying one of my tweets on the air. But you just said one of your tweets on the air because I right, saw that I did, tweet but, last night. But I didn't preface it. I didn't say, oh, I sent this great tweet last night. <laughs> I was just, you know, that was a test run, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Just It's like a comedian, you know. You put some stuff out there in front of a smaller crowd, make sure it works, and then you bring <clears throat> it out to HBO. Ah, I see. So, well, last night, like, Sale was dealing, Flaherty was dealing, Cindergard was dealing, and I suspected that the show was going to be about these aces just dominating last night. Sale really stood out from the bunch. Seven innings, two runs, 17 strikeouts. Uh, struck out the first six batters he faced. He has 10 or more strikeouts in four of his last five starts. And we'll get into Flaherty, who had some control issues. It's three starts in a row with some control issues for him. I have an interesting trade offer on the table involving Flaherty. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, Cindergard was pretty good. Kershaw and Paddock. Obviously, I, of course, I stayed up and watched that game. It's a very entertaining game. Um, some takeaways there. They pitched, and we'll talk about that. But the big news is about the prospects. And really, if you watched us on HQ on Sunday, Scott and I both talked about prospects sort of differently but making the same point. The point is that they can have a really big impact on your fantasy team. And it's possible that they'll be bad. It's possible they'll be Willie Adamas or basically anybody Carter that the Keyboom? Carter Keyboom, anybody that the Rays called up. Nate Lau last yep. year or Brandon Lau last year really struggled out of the gate, and then he was good. But Nate Lowe this year, yep, useless. But it's possible they could kind of win you your league. So it's important to get these guys. Keston Hira is up. He's fifty nine percent owned. He batted seventh for the Brewers. 
He went two for three with a walk, played second base. And Ender and Ciarte left with back tightness, and the Braves called up Austin Riley, who has 15 home runs in 37 games and uh, much better plate discipline this year, 18 walks at 31 strikeouts. Uh, so these are two big-time pickups. In fact, Riley kind of snuck on, snuck in under the radar, and he's already 32% owned. So who would be your priority, Keston Hira or Ender, or excuse me, Austin Riley, who could be replacing Ender Inciarte? We'll call Inciarte day-to-day with back tightness. I think Keston Hira is the more interesting prospect, both in real life and for fantasy, part, partially because he's a middle infielder. Second base has been you know, the weakest position in fantasy besides catcher. But also, I just I love his skill set. This was a guy who has always had like plus plus bat speed, and you know was considered someone who should hit for average, and he's always done that in the minors. And he's like a three eighteen career hitter in the minors. And the thought from pro- scouts was he'll develop into power as he ages and be like a an average or slightly above average power hitter. And what we've seen so far in AAA is he's turned into a pretty good power hitter. I don't think 11 home runs in 37 games is something that you can expect moving forward. Partially it's the PCL, partially it's the uh, quote-unquote juiced ball that they're using in AAA. The thing is, the AAA ball now that's caused a 50% spike in home runs league-wide is the same ball that they're using in the major. And that was a change that happened at the beginning of this year. So we're seeing a more... MLB-esque home run rate in the minors, and that bodes well for Keston Hira being, you know, possibly a 20-homer guy uh, prorated out as soon as this year. He could steal 15 bases. He should hit, you know, 270, 280 at the worst. So I think there's a ton to like about Keston Hira. Uh, long-term, I think, you know, Anthony Rendon is a is a possible comp for him. He could be that good. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about his call-up. Yeah, so he's second base eligible, which is great. Austin Riley is third base eligible and will gain outfield eligibility. And obviously, you need second baseman, right? Let's face it, it's a bad position. But Riley, let's talk about him and your expectations for Riley, who's 32% owned. Power. I think that's going to be the calling card for him. It, It hasn't quite always shown up in games the way you would think, given... Uh, how scouts have talked about him, but it's starting to now, uh, you know, he's never had more than 20 homers in a season before, you know, he's got 15 in 37 games. So he's going to get to 20 plus in 2019. I think there's a lot to like, I don't know if it's a superstar profile because the plate discipline isn't great and he's struck out a little bit too much, but you know, he's played 112 games at AAA now and he has 27 homers. So That's the kind of potential we're talking about. You know, a potential 25 to 30 home run guy. Maybe you're looking at like a peak Kyle Seager kind of profile. Okay, Uh, Kyle Seager. That's that's pretty good. And I mean, yeah, he was a top 10 third baseman for a pretty long time. He was basically like the default number eight third baseman. Like every year. Yeah. When he was good, Kyle Seager was good. Uh, Kyle Seager, by the way, could be back in 10 days. Yeah, so like, so... Here's a bigger priority for you. Do either of these guys strike you as must-own players? Like they, sh- You don't necessarily have to have them on your team, but there's a team in each league that needs Keston Hira or Austin Riley. 100% with Hira. He should be owned in every single league. Um, 
you should own him in every single league if you still have the opportunity to. I think he's someone who's, you know, potentially worth a 15 to 20% fab bid. He's arguably the the best prospect left with a with or at least hitting prospect with a chance to get called up or a good chance to get called up. So, yeah, I, I think he's someone who should absolutely be added. And because I I also think there's a pretty good chance he just runs with this job. Um he went. He, you know, yeah, we yeah. Shaw's on it. the IL, right? We should probably set that up. Travis Shaw's on the IL. Yeah. And we obviously know Travis Shaw's been terrible. So is it time to drop Travis Shaw? Yeah. I mean, he, going back to spring training, he struck out 74 times with just 17 walks, a 36% strikeout rate. He's just been dreadful. He's not a good enough option at on the infield for them to keep sticking with him if he's not absolutely mashing. And Mike Moustakas is. So, you know, Hira should be a better defensive option at second base than either Shaw or Moustakas. And I think if Hira hits the ground running, he probably makes them a better team. By the way, I put in a $22 bid on Hira in a Roto League yesterday. Uh, he went $100 fab? $100. I had about 68 left or something. He went for 33 bucks. Uh, I should have yeah, picked I mean, him up I, in the podcast I said yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I said yesterday probably 20 to 25% fab, so yeah, I wouldn't have gotten him either. Yeah, it depends on the team. depends on how much what you need. Uh, okay, so I am going to speed Chris along a little bit today because yesterday was the worst show that I ever produced. I was embarrassed by it, and we just didn't really— It was really, a great show. It was, ter- it was so bad, and we just didn't really talk about enough. So we need to talk about a lot of stuff today. So who is next? Who is the next prospect— um, that you need to stash. The guy I would say is Brendan Rodgers for the Rockies. They sent Garrett Hampson down. Ryan McMahon's been pretty bad. So it just makes sense to to say Brendan Rodgers could be up playing second base for them pretty soon. Um, so that's the guy I would pick. Is there anybody else that, you know, Jordan Alvarez, we talked about a lot. Am I stealing all of the names? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could see Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez. Um, it does seem like Alvarez has passed him in the pecking order. After that, you know, maybe Bo Bichette. Brennan Rogers is a very good choice. Um, Jesus Lazardo <sighs> is going to be out a little while, but might still be worth stashing. He's 54% owned. Uh, and maybe Forrest Whitley. Brennan Rogers is 35% owned. So you can always yeah. read up about it on our website on CBSSports.com. We've got more big news for you. Elvis Andrews left with hamstring tightness. So they're going to check on that day-to-day for now, but we'll see. And Mitch Garver homered again. I don't know how he could be unowned, except he's dealing with an ankle injury. He got uh, run into at the plate, slid into at the plate, and Mitch Garver has an ankle injury. But if he's High healthy, ankle sprain too. So, right, probably going to be a little while. Yeah, if yeah, if he somehow avoids the IL though, you need to get Mitch Garver. Uh, Anthony Rizzo could miss another game. He's got this back issue. Chris Bryant's made two appearances at first base. So if you own Chris Bryant, you probably want Anthony Rizzo to miss like another week. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is kind of paused, it seems. Like, I thought he was making some progress, but he's still dealing with shoulder soreness. He went on the IL, Stanton, with a biceps injury. That seems to be done. But he's got this shoulder soreness. And I I don't know what to say, Chris. I mean, are, are you staying away from Giancarlo Stanton? Like, if someone offered Stanton to you, what would you be willing to give up for him? You'd have to get a... Uh a pretty sizable discount at this point, given the lack of progress that he's made. It's been a, it's been a really bad season for my, uh, you know, injury prone isn't a predictive thing, but I don't know. Like this was something that was kind of impossible to foresee. He's just 
like he hurt his bicep and then somehow that led to a shoulder issue or maybe the shoulder issue was there and it made it worse. It's, it's really disappointing, but you know, because it's a shoulder issue, that's the kind of injury that, you know, even when he's healthy, it could sap some of his power. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try to read about it here because it might be a little overblown. He might come back in a, in a couple weeks, but Stanton did have, I guess we'll call it a setback with his strained left shoulder. He had a cortisone injection in the shoulder on April 22nd and still is not. That's a while ago and still not back. Um, Scott Kingery started a rehab assignment. He's 25% owned. I mean, he was batting 406 before he got hurt with uh, only 14 games. But Kingery was red hot. Cesar Hernandez has been much better since Kingery yes. uh, went, went down. So I don't know what the deal is there. But I don't know. 25% owned. What do you think about Scott Kingery, Chris? Uh, the only spot that he could really play in the infield, I think, at this point would be third base because Segura and Hernandez, they're just not moving. They've been too good. But Michael Franco, basically, since the first week of the season, hasn't been very good at all. And Scott Kingery does have some experience playing in center field as well. And that's another spot where Odubel Herrera has been pretty mediocre. So if he gets uh, back, comes back, and hits well... I think he can start pushing for playing time at either third base or or center field. Who would you rather stash, Scott Kingery or Brendan Rodgers? Probably Rodgers. And two more, more notes upside. for now. Oscar Mercado of the Indians. He could have a short stay in the majors, according to the article I read yesterday, uh, as they await Tyler Naquin's return. So just be aware. I mean, look, if he hits... He'll probably stay up, but Naquin, Naquin was, I think, second on the team in batting average when he got hurt. So you, you, Look, you can't block Tyler Naquin. You can't block Tyler Naquin. I mean, we, all, we all know that. And Trey Turner began a rehab assignment, and uh, just remember what he did in only four games, but he stole three bases on opening day. There was the proclamation that he was going to steal like 60 bases or something like that. Uh, he, had, he had two home runs and a three fifty seven batting average. In four games, it is quite possible that Trey Turner will be the most valuable player in fantasy when he comes back. Uh, I still take Trout, but it is possible. So get excited for that. Maybe get excited for Jose Ramirez. He homered yesterday. They were basically taking batting practice against the Chicago White Sox, but we promised some Jose Ramirez talk. Let's have some Jose Ramirez talk. Where are you on Ramirez right now? Batting 195 with four home runs. 12 RBIs, 10 steals, still 19 walks to 25 strikeouts. That's good. Batted ball data looks pretty similar to last year. I, one thing I did notice, he's not pulling the ball as much. But this is also a guy now, let's see, it's been 81 games of a sub-200 ERA with seven home runs in those 81 games. Thankfully, 17 steals. Uh, yikes, what do you think? Yeah, it's been not very good for a while, but... You know, when you dig into the numbers, he's probably been a little unlucky. He probably still has some changes that he needs to make. Uh, I think he's probably hitting the ball in the air a little bit too much now. And it's, you know, I I think there's probably something going on with his swing that he can fix. But there are signs of hope, maybe not signs of hope. And we've said the chances of him returning value on that third overall pick at this point are pretty much slim to none. But the chances of him being worth a a first or second round pick, I think there's still a pretty good chance for that. You know, he's still not striking out very much. His average exit velocity is actually slightly higher 
than it was last season. So there are reasons to believe that he's going to be uh, a, you know, pretty good version of himself, if not the arguably arguably best player in fantasy that he was the last, you know, last season in particular. And I own Ramirez in two leagues, and I think right now my choice is wait it out, wait for the That's hot the streak. Choice. Well, yeah. look, you can still get very good value for Jose Ramirez. If you think if you if you look at Jose Ramirez's career, you realize like there's not that much greatness, right? He's he's not 5 years established. He's not Nolan Arenado or anything like that. Now, I'm just saying that, but I do believe he's a very very good if not great player. But if you think that Jose Ramirez is just not going to be that good, you could actually sell high on him, if you know what I mean. Cuz Anyway, I, yeah. I, like, hey, hey, okay, look, in our leagues, if anyone's acquiring Jose Ramirez, they're giving up a lot. If you're playing with less experienced fantasy players, you might be able to get Jose Ramirez for like Mitch Haniger or something, something obvious. But if I, sure. if you and I are, are getting Jose Ramirez in our leagues with experienced players, with people who would listen to this podcast, you're paying up. Nobody's just giving away Jose Ramirez. If you don't think he's that good, if you don't think he's first round value, then you could trade him for, oh man, like I don't think you can get Cody Bellinger at this point. But no, no way. Javier I, Baez. The thing is, I don't. Um, I don't think anybody's giving you Javier Baez for him at this point. Chris Bryant. I'd be pretty shocked. I think Chris Bryant you could have done about eight days ago. But but that's the thing. Like, don't you think Jose Ramirez is going to be better than Chris Bryant? Um, probably, but I don't feel super confident in it. Uh, it's a little bit like where we were with Chris Sale like four starts ago when it's clear that something's wrong. It's a lot harder to identify what that is than it has been with other players who are struggling. Like there's not an obvious silver bullet that we can point to that's causing his struggles. And so that makes me think either his skill set just eroded really badly on like September 6th of last season and just will not come back. Or it's just one of those things. It's a funky uh, cold streak, but he'll figure it out and be a very good player moving forward. Yeah. It, I'd feel a lot more confident going one way or the other on this if there was something obvious I can point to that said, okay, well, he's not running as fast, so his athleticism is deteriorating, or he's not hitting the ball as hard. But th- those no, things don't really exist. Right. Yeah, he is hitting the ball a little bit harder than he did last year. So mm-hmm. uh, that's what I was going to say is that I am I am taking the weighted out approach. And I'm just hoping mm-hmm. that this guy gets, you know, crazy hot and carries my team. Uh, and like Matt Carpenter did last year, which Matt Carpenter, by the way, will probably do again this year. Not to the same oh, extent, yeah. but, but uh, he'll get hot too. It's another buy low candidate for you. All right, so that's your Jose Ramirez talk. I guess I'll wrap it up and say, just give you some names here. Would you rather have Francisco Lindor or Jose Ramirez? Ramirez. Would you rather have Ronald Acuna or Jose Ramirez? That's a tough one. Yeah, I that's think, a very, very tough one. I I, <laughs> if I don't answer, I'm hoping you'll move on. I will say I will take Ramirez in points leagues because of the tremendous plate discipline. Yeah, that that might be the good hedge. And I'll take Acuna and Roto, even though, uh, you know, Ramirez has all the steals. 
But if Acuna, you know, leads off, he might run more too. All right, we're going to take a break here on Fantasy Baseball today. we got so much to get to, including Monday's leftovers, stuff we didn't get to talk about on yesterday's horrible show. We'll talk about on today's redemptive show, and then everything you need to know from Tuesday. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Okay, Chris, a lot to talk about from Monday's games that we didn't get to. So I'm going to give you a name. We're going to go Mike D'Antoni style, seven seconds or less of analysis. Must start, drop them, keep them, I'm encouraged, whatever you want to say. Here we go from Monday. Brad Peacock, five innings, one run, four walks, three strikeouts at Detroit. Brad Peacock. Keep him, but you're not starting him in his next start at Boston. And then, unfortunately, he should get Boston again the following week at home. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi, not a bad start, but he give up three home runs against Oakland on Monday. Uh, Kikuchi. He's fine. He's not a star. He's someone you should own. Robbie Ray, five innings, two runs, six strikeouts against Pittsburgh, 314 ERA, and 198 ERA in his last five starts, but only one quality start on the season. Uh, Robbie Ray. We know that... Every Robbie Ray start is predictive of his next start. So he will be good in his next start, obviously. He's okay, sarcasm. Good. He should be owned in all formats. So he's interesting. He's going to blow up at some point. I will allow this to continue here. He's very interesting okay. because he is a one, he's got a 132 whip. He's not going to help you there. He is going to help you in strikeouts. If you play in a quality starts league, Robbie Ray is going to really hurt you there, I think. He just throws so many pitches and very rarely mm-hmm. gets to six innings. I think the question is, do you buy the ERA? I'm not sure I do. No, I think he's probably more like a 3-7 ERA guy. Uh, the peripherals suggest he should be a little better than that, but I don't think he's going to continue running home run per nine under one, so... You'll see some regression, but I think 3-5, 3-7, not a ton of innings, but he makes up for it because he's going to strike out probably 200 batters if he gets to 160 innings. Um, so there's there's value there. I'm going to throw a little sell-high tag on him, and I would just say, like, you got to look, look at how you are in strikeouts, as I get it, but I, I do think that Robbie Ray could hurt you in every other category. You know, He's got so much downside, and we've seen it. Yeah, he he certainly, almost certainly won't help you in a couple of other categories. Like whip, he's not going to help you. Wins, I would guess not on that team, especially with how rarely he goes deep into games. So, yeah, I I think he's like a number three, number four starter who, you know, in a roto league especially, he helps you so much with that high volume of strikeouts that you can live with some of the other things that he doesn't do quite as well. All right, that's Robbie Ray. Seven seconds or less on Jose Barrios, who got lit up by the Angels on Monday. Inscrutable is the only word I can use to describe Jose Barrios, who now has the best ERA of his career, the worst strikeout rate, and the lowest ground ball rate 
Uh, his FIP is nearly a run higher than his ERA. Hmm. I don't know what to make of it. Schedule. Schedule has helped. Um, the last three starts, Barrios has 13 strikeouts in 19 and two-thirds. But he has faced the two... In those three starts, he has faced the two best strikeout teams. In terms, like, they strike out the fewest. Angels and, Re- and Astros. The other team he faced but, but, was Toronto. They were 23rd. So he should have struck out more Blue Jays in theory. But... I guess I just want to point that out, Chris. Yeah, I guess that kind of gets to the whole Jose Brios thing, though, is we think he should be dominant, and it shouldn't matter what the matchup is. He, I, I'm not even sure it does matter what the matchup is because he's so well for strikeouts. He's just so it inconsistent does. from one start to the next. Well, he hasn't really been this year, but I, I mean, I do know that he is that type of pitcher. I just I keep going back mm-hmm. to the schedule. I think will give him yeah. consistency, but. The strikeouts do matter to me in terms of matchups because you go look at like at uh, Trevor Bauer, and he had a great start at Houston, and he struck out like four guys. So mm-hmm. I just don't expect people to strike out a lot of Astros, and I don't expect them to strike out a lot of Angels. So if I could do the math, thirteen. Let's see, he had forty-one strikeouts in forty-one innings, forty and two-thirds going into his last three starts, and the rate has dropped since then. Okay, moving on. Fringy starting pitchers from Monday. Do you have any interest in Freddie Peralta, Ronaldo Lopez, or Tyler Skaggs? There is a lot to be interested in by with Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, actually has the strikeout rate up above one per inning, which is something that he hasn't really done before. He's getting a decent amount of swinging strikes, and I think it's because he's he's changed his pitch mix um, you know, maybe he's, I'm going to look it up cause I don't want to speculate on what it is, but I, I know he has made some changes. So he's throwing his slider more often, throwing his curveball less and throwing his change up more. And that was something that the, uh, their pitching coach last season at the end of last season really talked about was that change up getting more confident with it, throwing it in more counts and being able to rely on it. And so far, you know, he's up to 20% when he was at 15% last year with it. So I think there there are definitely things to like about Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, I mean, it's good. he had good matchups this week, Cleveland and Toronto at Minnesota next week. I still don't trust Ronaldo Lopez in tough matchups. But, sure. he, you know, uh, Skaggs is someone that I'm very frustrated with. I just, he's missed, something's not right with him. Something's not there. I still think there's potential for him to be a good pitcher, but at the end of the day, like, he's obviously very droppable. I tried to drop him for Griffin Canning last night, and I got outbid. So I still have Tyler Skaggs, but I'm I don't I don't Tyler Skaggs these days. I sit him. Um, other hitters to talk about uh, from Monday's games. Gerard Dyson is 11% owned. He stole two bases. He leads off against righties. He should be owned in more leagues. Marwin Gonzalez is yeah. 34% owned. He's been hot. I don't really care that much. He's got a thousand OPS basically in his last 12 games. Um, I actually think Marwin Gonzalez might be over owned, Chris, but he does have a lot of eligibility. So I get that. What do you think about Marwin? Seven seconds or less. Yeah, I, I think he's most of his value comes from that eligibility. All right, and that's pretty much it from Monday. So let's go to Tuesday. Let's go to last night's games. I'm going to ask you this. Is Mike Fultonevich droppable at this yep. point? Yes. Yes? Okay. I, I, yes, absolutely. He, like, he's clearly not right. He wasn't right yeah. in his minor league rehab assignment when they kept, you know, I think it was after his second start, or before his second rehab start, they said, you know, he, we're probably going to call him up join the rotation after this start. And then after that one, they said, well, we want to get him one more start. 
And then he was mediocre in that one again. So they were like, well, we want to get him one start. And all, all of a sudden, they kind of ran out of time and had to bring him back. And he's been absolutely, like, there's been nothing positive about him. He's made four starts. He's thrown 21 in the third innings. You know, the strikeout rate's not there. The walks are too high. I just, I don't know what it is, but I don't think he's good enough to hold on to when things are this bad. The Braves broadcasters last night were saying, like, the fastball velocity's down, but there's still enough velocity there to be an effective pitcher because he's a, he was a really hard thrower last year. Uh, um, yeah, but he's down to, like, 93, 94 now. Right, but a lot of pitchers can get by on that. What, what they said was that the slider has been very unpredictable. He doesn't know where it's going, and yeah. that's been his I guess my, my thought is many pitchers can thrive 93, 94. Jose Barrios is one. I don't think Mike Fultonevich can. Yeah, that's probably. I don't think a good he has point. the command or the secondary pitches to do it. Uh, more standouts for me. Matt Barnes is sixty-two percent owned, and at this point, I just don't see how he's not the Red Sox closer. And if he is the Red Sox closer, he probably should be close to a hundred percent owned. Not only that, Matt Barnes is having his best year. He's always been a high walk guy. He has four walks to thirty-three strikeouts this year in seventeen and a third. And Ryan Brazier just keeps on struggling. So. There are a lot of relievers out there who we know are good, who are owned in about 62% of leagues. You know, like it was Pedro Strope, um, Hector Neris. I don't know what happened to Neris. Strope's on the IL. Matt Barnes, to me, is ahead of that group. And if he's available, I think you really should get him. Uh, I, I, I certainly hope he gets the next save opportunity. I just don't see how it doesn't happen, unless it's today, because he pitched two innings last night. And Chris, Vladimir Guerrero, he homered twice yesterday. Three for four with two home runs. All he needed to do was go to a better home run park. Get out of that huge Toronto cavernous place and go to the yeah. go to San Francisco. The uh, bandbox in Oracle. Yeah, exactly. Nice warm weather. Perfect. Wind blowing out. Yeah. Yeah, so this was nice. I mean, yeah, he's awesome. There's, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but... Pitchers are treating Vladimir Guerrero as if he's one of the best hitters in baseball right now. So that should be a sign that he's going to figure it out. Like teams are, I think he has one of the lowest uh, rate of pitches inside the strike zone among all hitters. Hmm. And the pitches that are in the strike zone, I think he has one of the highest rates of pitches on, I think it's like referred to as the fuzzy area of the zone, so the corners, basically. Pitchers are treating him very cautiously, and that's a testament to his talent and his potential. Don't give up on him. Anybody who was worried, there's no reason to be. Would you rather have Francisco Lindor or Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Francisco Lindor. Would you rather have Jose Altuve or Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Jose Altuve. I'm going to read a somewhat non-sequitur email here. Uh, it's from Brandon. Is Whit Merrifield better than Jose Altuve? Maybe. Yeah. It was last year for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's very good, but that's not that's the thing. Is It wasn't just about Jose Altuve not being good. Like Whit, Whit Merrifield did a pretty good Jose Altuve impression in 2018, and he's continuing it. In 2019, at this point, I think we just kind of have to buy that he's going to hit for a decent amount of pop. He's going to steal a good amount of bases, and but he's he going to hit close to 300. He only hit 12 home runs in 158 sure. games last year. He's got half of that already. Uh, and I, I, 
to me, the answer to that question, Merrifield versus Altuve, comes down to steals. I obviously know that Merrifield, even though he only has seven steals right now, he's going to outsteal Altuve. Forget mm-hmm. about the IL stint. Like, if they both played 162 games, Merrifield's going to steal more bases. But is Altuve going to be even close? Because I think Jose Altuve has one steal. So if he's a 15-steal guy, then I'm going to take... I'm I'm going to take Whit Merrifield over him. I think if he's yeah I am if he's uh if Altuve is a 25 steal guy or at least a 25 steal pace whenever he gets back, then I'd take Altuve. But Chris, I I can't I don't know <laughs> he's he's on the IL with a leg injury and he wasn't running before. Like I kind of got to yeah. think and he had a leg injury last year. I, I'm not and really that me, optimistic about Altuve stealing bases. Right, but also I I just think like we shouldn't undersell how good Whit Merrifield is. At he, this point, like, but, well, he is he really only good, hit 12 but it's homers the last year. But like it was nineteen the year before. Altuve is going to crush I, him. Altuve is going to crush him in batting average and home runs, most likely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Merrifield's probably going to hit three hundred. Yeah, but Altuve could hit three thirty. He could. Yes. Yeah, and then I think it's very close. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think I probably lean, I think I probably lean Merrifield right now be- because of the injury primarily, and the fact that yeah. I just don't really trust Altuve to run. But I'm, but like ideal Altuve's better than. Sure, Merrifield. I just don't. Yeah, it's hard to know if we're gonna get ideal Altuve. Run or some, what ideal Altuve looks like. I'll run through some news and notes real quick. Julio Arias was arrested uh, on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence slash battery, and he is on leave right now. Don't like to see that. Felix Hernandez is out four to six weeks with a lat strain. A decision on Miguel Andujar is likely coming today. Would not be surprising if he's out for the year. The Yankees acquired Kendris Morales from Oakland. He's barely better than Greg Bird. Jed Lowry is going to be out a few more weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, Steven Matz could return this weekend. If he does return this weekend, he'll face the Marlins. Jose Martinez, just want to bring this up. Jose Martinez has started 25 of the last 26 games for St. Louis, so he is your starting right fielder. Uh, Jorge Polanco, we talked about him yesterday and said, well, he hasn't stolen a base. Well, he heard us. Jorge Polanco stole a base. Freddie Freeman. You're welcome. Yeah. Polanco owners, you are welcome. Freddie Freeman is still dealing with an illness. David Price could start against Houston on Saturday. Would you start David Price if he starts against the Astros at home on Saturday? Probably not coming off the I.L. Angelton Simmons had the longest streak of plate appearances without a strikeout, 61 in a row. That was snapped yesterday. D. Gordon could start tomorrow, and there's a chance Buster Posey comes off the I.L. on Friday. I'm going to give Chris three big-time standouts, and I'm going to ask him, sell high? Just like that? Or no thanks, guy. We'll do that right after the break on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, 
chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Chris, be a GM. Sell high or no thanks, guy? George Springer is the number three hitter in baseball. Sell high or no thanks, guy? Sell high if someone's going to treat him like he's a first-round value. Uh, if someone's going to give you... Gosh, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not sure about Jose Ramirez or, or George Springer at this point because yeah. this is the kind of thing that we always thought was possible from George Springer, and he just hadn't done it. Um, but I don't know if that meant that he didn't have... If he had lost the potential. I don't think it did. It just... It was less likely to happen, but... Less likely things happen sometimes, and you know we might be seeing a career year from George Springer, kind of like what year was it? Twenty six, seventeen before so 20, the injury. So twenty seventeen, first ninety nine games, he had a nine seventy three OPS. George Springer batted three ten with twenty seven home runs. He was unbelievable. Uh, then he had a quad injury. He came off the DL. He had a seven seventeen OPS in his last forty seven games. And I really thought going into two thousand sixteen. Yeah, look, Springer broke out. He had the quad injury. I'm sorry, going into 2018. He had the quad injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be amazing. And he just had a bad year last year. Now, not only, look, obviously he's overperforming. 16 home runs in uh, 43 games. He's got a 35.6% ho- uh, home run to fly ball rate. But he's also got four steals, which is nice. If he gives you 15 steals, that's that's a plus there. So th- this is kind of what I was talking about with Jose Ramirez. Like, you can get George Springer, possibly, for Jose Ramirez. And if you think Springer's just better, and we just don't know it yet, like you could theoretically sell high on Jose Ramirez. Not to turn this yeah. into a Ramirez discussion, but you know what I mean? I don't know if I would, but it, it's a really interesting question, George Springer versus Jose Ramirez. Um, I don't think Springer has quite the upside, and that's why we weren't drafting him hurt overall like we were with Jose Ramirez, but a big part of Jose Ramirez's uh, value was the perceived safety of his profile. Didn't strike out a lot, hit for good power, stole some bases. We thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is a guy that you can count on, you won't have to worry about. And so far, that has been spectacularly untrue. And uh, it's, it's a really tough question, Ramirez or Springer. So Springer, the other guy in this uh, sell high or no thanks guy, actually there's two more, is Cody Bellinger. He is the number one player in fantasy, number one hitter. Cody Bellinger, sell high or no thanks guy? No thanks guy. He's uh, he's really, really good. And he was someone that you and I especially you know, really liked the potential of coming into the season. I think you picked him top three in NL MVP in yeah. your bold predictions. Uh, he was someone that I liked a lot more than than Adam and, and Scott or Adam and Heath Scott and Scott Heath. Scott Heath, <laughs> yeah. Jeez, I just turned into my grandma for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, Scott and Heath. Uh, he's really good, and he's made legitimate improvements in his plate discipline. Although he hasn't been able to quite sustain what he was doing early in the season in terms of being an elite strikeout guy, but he's still been very good. I, I'm not. I'm not giving up on him for 
much less than like a top six or seven player. I think if we redrafted right now, he'd have to be in the first round. And Springer and Bellinger are fun comparisons because they're both hitting the ball at a hard contact rate of 50% or higher and a home run to fly ball rate of 33.3% or higher. So there's regression coming, at least in, in the power department, and Bellinger has a 411 BABIP and a 409 batting average. But just because a guy is going to be a little bit worse, it doesn't mean you have to sell high. Um, last one here is someone I know you love. This is probably your best call of the year is Josh Bell. I mean, you talked about him as a legit breakout yesterday. You talked about him in spring training, and he hit two more home runs. But do you think now is the time to sell high on Josh Bell? If you were going to do that, what would you ask for? I would probably need to get someone in the like six to eight range at first base, I think. Because um, I, I really do think he's just taken a big step forward. He is just crushing the ball stupid hard. He has been Joey Gallo esque in terms of how hard he's hitting the ball. So I. You know, I don't think he'll keep all of that up, but like, the, the, I don't know if I would trade him for Matt Carpenter right now. Well, the good thing with Bell is that he's probably not your starting first baseman, so you could, in theory, sure. trade him for another position. You know, you could, you could Josh Bell. For, would you do Josh Bell for Jack Flaherty? If I needed pitching, and there's probably a pretty good chance you that need I pitching. Do. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd be yeah. You need you play fantasy baseball. You need pitching. All right, Chris, yeah. uh, I'm going to take about a minute on this segment. Deep leagues. These guys are widely available. Are you interested in any of them? Jordan Luplo. He's hit four home runs, three of them off Manny Banuelos. Aledmus <laughs> uh, Diaz, 13% owned, and he's got three home runs in his last four games. I have added him and dropped him twice in the last, like, four days in a league. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie Rodriguez, 25% owned, second base and shortstop eligible, and he's batting 312 with six home runs for the Tigers. Melky Cabrera is batting 342. Pablo Sandoval has started three straight games, partially because Brandon Belt was hurt, but Pablo Sandoval is actually hitting very well. His OPS is over 900. Jordan Luplo, Aledmus Diaz, Ronnie Rodriguez, Melky Cabrera, Pablo Sandoval. Luplo and Diaz should probably be owned in 15-team or deeper, um, at least for in Diaz's case, as long as Jose Altuve's out. I'm not sure he's going to play every day after that. I would expect not. Luplo already not playing every day, but you know, in a 15-team league where there's five outfielders and seven bench spots, you can probably find a place for him. Melky Cabrera kind of just... It's weird that we just kind of... And I'm not saying it's wrong or right, but we ignore him year after year, and we he should. just keeps hitting like 285 yeah. every year. Always he some batting do average. Else. Always some batting average, but yeah. he's 285 but, hitter. He's not a 342 hitter. No, but he's someone that you know, like kind of pre pre second breakout Nick Markakis. Uh, he can have some value in a roto league where you need batting average. You know, he can. He can help you start to make up a little ground, especially if you invested heavily in in low average power hitters and you're you're relatively good in run production. All right, so there's a lot I wanted to talk about from yesterday, but I think it's really important that we get to the starting pitchers. So Wilson Ramos had a grand slam. Andrew McCutcheon has been ice cold. Uh, he's going into yesterday's game. He had a 265 slugging percentage in his previous 18 games. That's Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, so I will try to talk about him on tomorrow's show, but I do. Th I think it's really important we get to the rotation here. So 
Cindergard. Nothing to, yeah, no complaints. Your seven swinging strikes. His swinging strike rate's a little bit lower this year. 11.9% going into yesterday's game. That's a career low. And he only had seven yesterday against uh, the Nationals. Um, yeah, but a 12% swinging strike rate from a guy who, like, has openly said that he's had trouble uh, gripping the pit, the ball and getting the most out of his slider, mm-hmm. that, that should tell you what kind of ridiculous level of talent we're dealing with here. Okay, what do you think about Jack Flaherty then? So Flaherty has, I think, 12 walks in his last three starts. Yeah, 12 walks. Only 18 on the year. But now that, that issue is creeping back up. He was pitching really well, and then it kind of fell apart. He had one bad inning at Atlanta. Gives up. It gets a quality start, but could have been better. He's good. He's not an ace, but he's part of that for me, that Jose Barrios, uh, Jamison Tyone, pre-injury Tyler Glass now reign. All right, so so I'm guessing Syndergaard is number one on this list, knowing you, well, I don't know, maybe Carrasco or Syndergaard? Hmm. Look, Carrasco is... Carrasco, but... I crap on Carrasco all the time. Like He is actually pitching really well. His walk-to-strikeout ratio, I believe, is the best of his career. He's really good. He is really good. He's really, really good. He's an ace. He is a... He's an ace. He is... Not quite an for ace. Me, he, for me, coming into the season, he was the last pitcher on the ace tier because he was the last guy who yeah, had same here. proven that he could pitch deep into games and deep into seasons, get 200 strikeouts, wouldn't hurt you in in your ratios. Like He was the last guy who I felt, if he was my number one pitcher, I'm not falling too far behind. Yeah, I, and, it's the same exact thing. I just I don't think he's the kind of guy that has the... 250 ERA upside. Right. That I think basically every other ace has. But but sure, Noah Syndergaard has more up. He's having a really good year and he's throwing the ball pretty hard. Um so all right, so we got Syndergaard and Carrasco are one and two. How would you rank the rest of these guys? Jack Flaherty, Charlie Morton, who just like Blake Snell, is really, really good for six innings, but barely ever pitches more than that. Clayton Kershaw and Chris Paddock. Again, Flaherty, Morton, Kershaw, Paddock. Kershaw, Flaherty, Paddock, Morton. Paddock, Morton. Yeah. What did Paddock say? But I after think Paddock and Morton should be like top thirty guys. What did Paddock and Morton? Uh, what did Paddock say after yesterday's start, which wasn't very good? Oh, uh, it was something. Oh yeah, it was like you'll want to watch my next start. That's all I'll say. Or <laughs> my next start will be fun. That's all I'll say. Yeah, he's he's definitely got some. Uh, He's got a lot of swagger. Yeah, he's got some swag, no question. Yeah, and he got fantastic. he got lit up yesterday. He only gave up three earned runs, but six total, two homers. This was an interesting start. He just wasn't at his best. I, I I've made it a point to watch almost every Chris Paddock start. Not his sharpest, and he knew it. And um, but Kershaw, Kershaw, you know when you you cover fantasy baseball, Chris, and you sort of create a theory about a skill set. And sometimes mm-hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, Kershaw, like my theory about Kershaw's skill set is that guys who have like a great curveball but not a great fastball could get a lot of strikeouts or like be really good but give up home runs. I sort of felt like Patrick Corbin could fall into that, but he hasn't. But that is exactly what's happening to Clayton Kershaw. His mistakes get crushed. Most of his runs this year that he's given up have have come via the cur- via the home run. 
He still does have a great curveball, but the fastball is obviously not what it was. Seven home runs allowed in 39 and two-thirds. And I own Kershaw in one league, and it's a league where like everybody needs pitching, and I have good pitching, and they come to me for pitching, and nobody wants Kershaw. I'm like, they all want Bauer, and I obviously I like Bauer better. I'm like, well, how do you feel about Kershaw? I'm like, yeah, I don't really want Kershaw. Nobody seems to want him, and I sort of get it. It is a... Uh... He has made his slider his primary pitch so far, so that, I think, indicates that he's not uh, feeling his fastball anymore. That's not a, uh, it's not a primary pitch for him. He throws his slider more often now. He needs to but... make his slider... He needs to increase the difference in velocity between the slider and the fastball because they're too similar, and the slider is acting like a cutter. This is what happened to him last year. I'm not making this up, I promise. He needs to refine the slider a little bit. Like, it's been a good pitch, I think, but I think he needs to take a little bit off of it because it's too much like the fastball. And I think that's I think that's affecting the fastball, making the fastball even less effective. Sure, sure, yeah. If they're closer, like, you either want two pitches that are similar in velocity, but, you know, they have slightly less movement, or you want a slower pitch that moves a little more. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably... That's that's a fair thing to say about Clayton Kershaw. Look, he's not he's not like a super duper ace anymore. But even last year, he still had a two seventy something ERA. He's still going to be pretty good as long as he's on the mound. So I, I'm not looking to move him by any means. Also, I think the Padres are a pretty homer happy team, so that might yeah. just not be that good of a matchup for him. He's sort of struggled against them. Uh, twice. The good thing about Kershaw is that he has not had any blow-ups. Like, every time he's gone out there, it's at least been a, res- a respectable start. Uh, more rotation. Rotation part two. These are guys who have sort of played their way into must-start, at least in the two-start weeks. Uh, Brandon Woodruff. I continue to be excited about him. He walked five yesterday, but that's only 17 on the year. Uh, I-, I don't know. I think Brandon Woodruff, Chris, might be might be something here. Might be really breaking out. Jared yes. Eikhoff, uh, I'll get your take on the whole group. Eikhoff was crap yesterday. Caleb Smith was really good. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has now gone 25 innings and given up one run in his last three starts, eight or more innings in all three. Joe Musgrove bounced back from two terrible starts, which was really nice to see. And Luke Weaver had only five strikeouts but 19 swinging strikes and overall a pretty solid start against the Pirates. Um, your thoughts on Woodruff, Eikhoff, Caleb Smith, Kyle Hendricks, Joe Musgrove, and Luke Weaver, just that group in general? I think Eikhoff's probably my least favorite of this group. He is also the lowest owned of this group, so I guess that's not, I'm not telling any tales out of school there. I do like Brandon Woodruff. I'm with you. I think the talent is really, really high. The home park might make him susceptible to home runs, but for the most part, I think he's going to be uh, a high strikeout guy who keeps his ERA in the mid to mid to high threes, and that's a very useful pitcher. Caleb Smith, I'm not sure there's much left to say about him. He's very good. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, he's not going to keep going eight innings and allowing no runs and striking out seven. So this run is Sell high. out of nowhere. Sell high. Yeah, who's going to buy it, though? Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, if somebody wants right. to give you something for Kyle Hendricks, he's like... He's he's a nice player to have on your team because you can just set him in your rotation and just mostly forget about him. He's going to do what he does. What he's going to do is give you a pretty good whip, pretty good ERA, not enough strikeouts, but a decent amount of wins. Um, 
And then I really like Musgrove and Weaver. I love what we've seen from both of them so far. The the moves that Luke Weaver made in the off season to develop, I believe it was a cutter, um, has have seemingly played a really big part in his resurgence. Yeah, he's throwing a cutter 15% of the time. It was about 4.5% of the time last year. So he's refined that pitch and turned it into something that he feels really comfortable throwing. So how would you rank them? Is Caleb Smith number one? Yeah. Uh, who's number two? Weaver, Woodruff, Hendricks, Musgrove, Eikhoff. Probably Hendricks, but it's close. I think all three of the other guys have more upside. Do you and think... Then, okay, yeah, go ahead. I think I'd probably go Weaver, Woodruff, Musgrove from then on. Do you think that these fringy starting pitchers, if you saw them on your waiver wire, you'd go get them? Kyle Gibson, he's actually 80% owned. Danny Duffy... Kyle Freeland and Wade Miley. If they have two starts and if Kyle Freeland doesn't have two starts at home. But okay. that's about the only time I'm going to really be interested. Freeland in is at Pittsburgh and home against Baltimore next week if he gets those two starts. Uh, so he might actually be usable in that scenario, but he's been pretty bad this yeah. year. And he's 78% owned, so it's not like there's a lot of people who can go out and add him. I'm not sure the leagues where he's not owned are leagues where I'd really want to start him anyway. All right, Kyle Gibson, uh, Duffy, Freeland, Miley. Those are your two start. Those are your fringy starting pitchers. Miley ended a streak of 24 straight starts, allowing three or fewer earned runs. Uh, I think I got to cut Chris loose. Might be able to finish off. Uh, maybe read some emails here solo to extend the show. But in the bullpen, Sergio Romo hadn't pitched in eight days, so the Marlins threw him in a non-save situation, and he walked four guys, one intentional. Uh, Blake Parker got another save. So he is uh, throwing more than one inning usually now, but probably going to lead the team in saves, 58% owned. Steve Ciszek, I think, is going to get most of the saves for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but most of them, while Strope is out. And uh, Rowenis Elias got a two-and-a-third two inning save yesterday. And it's just hard to imagine that they could go back to Swarzak. But Elias gets used for more than an inning. So I don't know what happens. Like, who gets the one-inning save? I have no idea. Elias is the guy to own. He's having a pretty good year. I don't know that we buy it, but he is having a pretty good year. Yeah. But I'd rather own C-Sheck than Elias, at least in the yes, short term. Yes, for sure. All right, I'm going to let Chris go. And when when I come back, I will preview today's matchups. For the video folk out there, thank you for watching Fantasy Baseball today. For the audio folks, stick around. But for you video people, I'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today. Hello again, loyal listeners. Thank you for being a part of Fantasy Baseball today. So let's take a look at uh, today's matchups, see what we're going to do. I would like to tell you, though, I am trying so hard to make trades right now. I love making trades. That's why I talk about buy low, sell high all the time. is the best way to improve your team. The waiver wire is great, but if you can get an established player at a low cost, that's how you win fantasy. We've got a lot of games on the schedule, um, and I will uh, give you some start-sit I mean, I'm going to call it advice. I don't know if it's going to be good. Right now, though, you can let me know on Twitter how you feel about this. I have been offered Max Scherzer and Xander Bogarts for Gregory Polanco and Mike Trout in a Roto League. This just came in. Uh, I So the original offer was my Mike Trout for Max Scherzer and Justin Upton. I declined, and I said, give me Scherzer and Bogarts. For Bregman instead of Trout and Polanco. And he was like, no, which I figured. So then he came back with Bogarts and Scherzer 
for Trout and Polanco instead of Bregman and Polanco. It's an interesting trade because here's the thing. Like, Trout is the most valuable player to me in fantasy. But the reason why he's more valuable than Scherzer is that Scherzer's old. And you don't know how he's going to... Like, you're sitting there in the preseason and spring training doing your draft and you're like, man, Scherzer's old. I don't know how he's going to... He's probably going to be amazing. But what if he isn't? What if Father Time catches up to him? But that's obviously not happening. So can't you make a case that Max Scherzer is as valuable as Mike Trout right now? I think Xander Bogarts is more valuable than Gregory Polanco. In fact, I think Bogarts has a lot of good production coming. He's a good buy low, in my opinion. It's hard to really make trades with a shortstop because everybody's got one good one, it seems. Um, I think it's a justifiable trade. I'd probably get uh, I'd probably get ripped if I traded Trout. Trout and Polanco for Bogarts and Scherzer. I'm going to consider it. I'll, I'll probably make one more counteroffer and make it a, a touch more favorable because when you give up Trout, you should be... You should be making sure you're getting something amazing. But I need pitching. My team, my pitching stinks. Uh, all right, speaking of bad pitching, Trevor Cahill will be at the Twins. You're going to sit him. You're going to start Jake Odorizzi. Let's ride it out. Let's see how long this works. Uh, David Hess at J-Hap in the first of a doubleheader. Orioles at Yankees. J-Hap, yeah, we're going to start him. He's actually, I think he's been pretty good lately. If he can't get it done against the Orioles, then we got some problems which was the case earlier in the year. He had two starts against the Orioles that weren't good. Um, Hap has been, three of his last four starts have been certainly good enough. I'd say four of his last five starts have been good enough. So you're going to start him. His first two starts of the season, though, eight and a third, six earned runs against the Orioles. Back to the scoreboard. Chris Ar- Oh, I didn't even know Chris Archer was back today. <sighs> We're definitely going to start Granky. Am I going to start Chris Archer? First start off the IL at the Diamondbacks. I think I'm not going to. I think I think I'm not going to. I think I'm going to play it safe with Archer. But you also know I'm not the Archer guy, so uh you know, keep that in mind. Not going to start anyone in the Blue Jays Giants game. Definitely going to start Domingo Armand, not going to start Andrew Kashner. You Darvish at Sunny Gray, no on both of them. Gio Gonzalez at Jake Arrieta. This is a pretty interesting one. This is actually this could be the toughest call of the day. So the Brewers have just not been good on the road offensively. I'll try to get the split up right now. Helps to have another person here to kill some time. Ariad has been mostly good this year. He struggled last time out. I'm nervous about it, considering he doesn't really give strikeouts ever. I'm gonna say sit him. I understand in a points league if you want to start Jake Arietta. Gio Gonzalez. Like a 169 ERA, a .94 whip. He's basically doing what he did last year with the Brewers, which was, you know, hard to buy into, but he was limiting runs. I th- I think they're both sits. You know, I I just think this could be a high-scoring game. Gio and Arietta. Uh, we've got Wilmer Font. Looks like opening for the Mets, maybe. At Patrick Corbin. You're going to start Patrick Corbin. Herman Marquez and Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm starting both of them. Uh, not going to start anyone in the Rays-Marlins game. Justin Verlander, yes, we're going to start him. We are not going to start Gregory Soto for the Tigers. Michael Waka at Mike Soroka. I'm only going to start Soroka here. Mike Miner at Jorge Lopez. I will start Mike Miner. And Matt Strom at Kenta Maeda. Woo! Uh, ordinarily, I would say start Matt Strom. I am going to start Maeda. He's coming off a good start. He's been a slow starter in the past. Um, so I think I'm going to be okay with that. Strom has been freaking lights out. 
but the Dodgers are just so good. Let me look up a couple splits here. All right, first of all, let's take a look at the Brewers' OPS on the road just for fun. They are 18th in OPS. They are amazing at home. They are below average on the road. Now let's take a look at lefty-righty splits and see the Dodgers versus lefties. Bellinger's a lefty, but he's been good against them. Jock Peterson's not going to be in the lineup. Uh, Seager's a lefty. So let's see how the Dodgers are. They're eighth in OPS against lefties. Strom is really risky to me. I certainly want to own him. He's uh, he, he's possibly breaking out. I'd probably start him as an RP. He's 75% owned. But just like Chris Paddock last night, this could be a tough one. So he's a borderline start. I will lean no on him. I think it's going to be like six innings, four runs. But uh, it's hard to argue with how good he's been. Even if Strom has a bad start, do not drop him. Thank you for listening, everybody. Solo show. You want more of these? I'll do the whole thing by myself next time. No, nobody wants that. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on, on Thursday. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. See ya.